Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 9, produced 16 August 2015. Wanderlust. Of German origin, the term literally means a love of hiking, but in modern times it has come to mean a strong desire for or impulse to wander or travel and explore the world. Scotland has inspired a spirit of wanderlust in millions, yet most of us can't just get up off the sofa, leave everything behind, and strike off on an extended travel adventure. Thanks to technology and the World Wide Web, we can visit Scotland often and other faraway lands without ever leaving home, thanks to a multitude of travel blogs. In a moment, here under the tartan sky, we'll meet two Scottish travel bloggers, talk with them about their individual blogs, and about their roles as part of a new Scottish blogging team called the Scotlanders. Here in Scotland, 2015 is the year of food and drink, a celebration of the country's outstanding natural larder and produce. From artisan cheeses and world-renowned whiskies to succulent seasonal berries and Arbroath Smokies, there's an abundance of delicious regional flavours round every corner. Discover the landscapes, people and culture that make our food heritage so unique and enjoy a feast of events and festivals throughout the year. Come and experience a true taste of Scotland. Your heart is filled with wanderlust. You're dreaming of a visit to Scotland. Back in the day, you'd go to a library and borrow a few books, or visit a travel agent and leave with an armful of holiday brochures. Today, more and more people turn to the internet not only to satisfy their wanderlust, but also to find answers to questions like where to go, what to see, what accommodations are available, is there public transport, what about those off-the-beaten-path sites that only the locals know about. One of the best ways to answer questions like that is to find and follow a travel blog, or two or three. It's estimated there are nearly 200 million public blogs to be found on the World Wide Web. The majority of those are personal blogs where a single individual, or perhaps partners, write and publish an ongoing commentary on a subject of their interest. There are blogs on anything and everything. And there are many types of blogs. This podcast is, for example, a form of an audio blog. For those struck with a sense of wanderlust, the travel blog can be like a salve to an open wound, and an excellent source of information if planning an actual journey. When it comes to Scotland, two of the very best, for my money, are Suzanne Arbuckle, author of Adventures Around Scotland, and Kim Kerside, author of Kim Kerside's travel and photography blog. Top-notch travel bloggers in their own right, Kim and Suzanne are also part of a new blogging team concept, all about Scotland. Six bloggers covering nine social media channels working as a team. They call themselves 
the Scotlanders. I had the pleasure of meeting Suzanne on my first journey to Scotland, when she treated me to a personal tour of her home, the Isle of Bute. Kim and I are online friends so far, but look forward to meeting and sharing a wee dram or two on my next visit to Scotland. To begin our chat, I asked each of them to share a little something about themselves and their individual blogs, and being gentlemen, Kim and I agreed to let Suzanne go first. At the moment, I'm a Scottish travel blogger and I also have a part-time job working with children with special needs, um, which helps me to fund my travels. I'm based on the Isle of Butte. I've previously lived in Glasgow um, for all my life up until two years ago, so it's been quite a change of scenery and lifestyle for me in the last couple of years. And through that change, it's uh, provided me the time to dedicate to blogging um, because obviously there's quite a lot of work involved, as yourself and Kim will know. And up until a couple of years ago, when I was uh, working, had a full-time career in Glasgow and a lot of other demands um, on my personal time, I just didn't have the time really to start a blog. Um, If you want to know how my blog came about, then... It's something I kind of always wanted to do. I've travelled around the world quite a lot and been inspired by other travel bloggers. I've always found guidebooks, magazines, websites are a bit limited in what they can tell you about an area. Uh, they tend to focus on the main attractions and the sort of popular places, whereas I prefer to go off the beaten track. I prefer to find out what the locals do. And when I had the time a couple of years ago, after my relocation, I decided it'd be quite nice for me to be able to pay back to what other people have given me in my travels, which is provide my local knowledge of Scotland and hopefully inspire people to get off the beaten track and help, I guess, people find out about the things that aren't the main attractions. It's something I try to avoid on my blog. And I really just want to show that Scotland, there's a lot more to Scotland than just like Edinburgh Castle or Inverness or Skye or the typical tourist places. People don't always know what's out there and they don't know how to get there. And I hope that my blogs give some ideas of how easy it is to travel in Scotland and the many other places that are out there that are actually worth visiting, which you don't necessarily find on the main tourist websites. So that's how it came about, I suppose, (laughs) along a long way of telling you. (laughs) (laughs) And some of it I know was pointed at me because I didn't know anything about Butte before you were nice enough to uh, show me around your home island now. Yep. Um, Well, again, I I guess since I moved here, it created more awareness. Um, Living in a place which was, I mean, it was obviously, it was a Victorian seaside holiday resort. And since then, the tourist numbers have declined. When I moved here, I found it quite frustrating because on the doorstep, as you found out, there's some beautiful scenery, lovely beaches, everything that you could get in other islands in Scotland. But people maybe aren't as aware of it. It's not as heavily promoted as maybe Arran or the Hebrides or Skye. And while all the islands are totally worth visiting, Um, I also want to show people that there's other places out there which they might not think of. And it's actually quite nice to go somewhere that's quieter sometimes. It's not full of tourists. And the great thing about places like Butte, places that are off the beaten track, is you can have a whole beach to yourself. You can have a whole castle to yourself. 
and it's maybe a wee bit more relaxing sometimes for people as well and you get to sit in the pub talk to the locals it's not fellow tourists that are around you you're getting a more authentic experience and, and it's the one place maybe not the only you'll you'll correct me if i'm wrong but it is one place where you can stand with um one foot in the highlands and one foot in the lowlands <laughs> yes there, there probably is other places but they don't have the nice little tourist sign um, which shows you where the highland fault, light, uh, fault line is so you can take your tourist photo away with you so yeah that is a nice little touch that butte has <laughs> it's a great little place for a tourist selfie absolutely yep. now suzanne is uh, a native scott you were born and raised there um kim you are an immigrant uh, am i correct indeed indeed so tell me a little bit about yourself and first how you come to find yourself uh, living in Scotland and uh, what you do as a profession and your role as a blogger. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Yes. So yeah, my name is uh, Kim Kearside, uh, as very well pronounced of Cortlin. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I probably should start back, I suppose, about 15 years. Um, I came over from Denmark, uh, initially moved down to London, uh, and I'll briefly go over that, but I, I met my now Scottish wife about 13 years ago in London. And um, by then, uh, we lived another two years or so in London. Um, and I had, in the meantime, been to visit Scotland. Uh, we had been up to Scotland, spent a few weeks visiting Edinburgh, visiting Dundee, where she's from, and uh, been to the Highlands, the Hebrides, basically getting getting a flavor of what it was like. Um, I, by then, uh, lasted about another year in London and decided uh, that was probably enough. <laughs> And uh, decided from there to to make the the, the move north uh, for both of us, and that was basically when I then I suppose took on the just the, the lifestyle um, you have in Scotland. So, uh, we really realised how different it was between living in London or living up in Scotland, and uh, we moved straight to Edinburgh where we made our move north um, to Scotland. And from the perspective of of my profession, um, day to day, I work actually work with a local hotel company where I work as a sales manager, so very different from my my sort of free time, my blogging time. Uh, it does work well in, in the sense that I get to, to work a lot with the tourism industry. I get to know uh, a lot of people within the industries, which is fantastic. We get to travel to promote Scotland, uh, both in my professional life, but also uh, obviously in my personal time, uh, which from that perspective works really, really well. From the, the side of my, my blog, um, this only started about a couple of years or so ago. Um, from my perspective, it was just sort of more wanting to to start off. I've always, for many many years, enjoyed taking photographs and um, had them had them on my sort of my, my Facebook page, sharing them with individuals, and never actually really shown it. Never had many printed or so. Um, so thought I would take it a little step further, and and you'll see that if you go and, and visit my blog, that it's very it's very photo led, and that's I like showing off, in particular when we travel around Scotland. Uh, showing off very much like Susanna, I suppose, the remote areas. Obviously, also over the years, there's been all the typical tourist attractions, as I am uh, a tourist, I suppose. I still kind of see myself like that a little bit at times, but um, very much, yes, yeah, showing off uh, the little remote areas and uh, driving around to to the corners of Scotland to experience areas that you yet yeah, wouldn't necessarily always see. Again, it's, it's great every so often, like this weekend, we have just passed... Uh, spending a weekend in Glencoe again. It's an absolute stunning scenery you find out there. It's 
it's it's breathtaking and it's so dramatic and and it's something again yes it we haven't been there for a long long time every so often and have, having the opportunity to visit is it's outstanding um and we're delighted early in the year to be able to go and visit uh susan um on the isle of butte getting a really good visit doing walks on the island driving around the island and, and seeing what it's like there do you find that most of the readers of your blog are are they international folks who have an interest in Scotland and come to your blog to learn more about it? Or do you find that they are primarily folks within Scotland or perhaps within the UK, uh, since you can travel much easier around the UK and visit Scotland uh, at far less expense than you can, for example, from the United States? Otherwise, I'd be there every other weekend. Uh, but uh, so the question simply is, um, do you find most of your readers are international folks looking for information about Scotland or are you um, finding that it's a lot of people perhaps within the UK who are looking to find out more about Scotland and places to go and see and things to do? Uh, yes, certainly for, for myself um, at the moment, certainly the, the majority of my readers and, and visitors to my blog is from the UK. Uh, so that's how we're sitting at present. Again, I'm seeing more and more international visitors to my blog. Again, that has something to do with how I'm representing it, I suppose, on, on social media, uh, how I'm interacting with visitors from, again, goes to North America, America, uh, or the US and Australia. I'm seeing more and more now visitors coming to, to my blog, which is great. Again, it, it is, as you said, it's easier to visit, obviously, from the UK. So I'm always surprised by even the number of Scottish people who haven't been around to visit Scotland uh, in all the areas that I have. You make an interesting point that has been brought to my attention a number of times, and, and that is many people have told me in, in my travels in Scotland, I've been fortunate enough to visit there twice in the past year, spent seven weeks there. And, and so many of my friends that I've made there often tell me, you probably have seen parts of Scotland and know more about Scotland than a lot of people who live there. And so I'm a little surprised that, that I have seen so much of that. And, and maybe you can address this from what you've seen in talking with people and visit your blog that there is such a case of so many Scottish natives and or people who have immigrated and live there now who have not seen a great part of the country, other parts of the country that they're, they're kind of pigeonholed in, in Edinburgh or in Glasgow or Inverness or wherever, you know, they might live. Why do you think that is? That just seems unusual to me. Yes, it's very much. And it's, it's a constant discussion you have um, both online and, and, and offline. Yes. With individuals, in all, in all honesty, uh, people go, oh, yeah, but we, we don't want all the rain. We don't want uh, all the cloudy weather. And and I constantly go to them. Yeah, but it's it's not about the weather. It's about the clothing <laughs> and make sure you're well dressed. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't rain all the time. You do. And you'll see that from, from the pictures that I have and from everyone else's uh, some beautiful weather. Yes, uh, obviously, we're not going to get the heat that you maybe get in the southern uh, European countries, uh, the Med Mediterranean but yeah, so, so, so many people I speak to from around Scotland, um, it, it's the, I would rather go to the airport and fly out and go somewhere warmer, which I, I am very much not against, but it's, it's almost, it just seems like a, a shame, uh, when you have, as, as you know, Glenn, of course, this on your doorstep, you have the beaches, you have the highlands, you have all the beautiful islands, um, you go somewhere like Speyside and it, it just seems like, you know, a, a, a waste almost. I'm from a very, obviously from Denmark, a very small country. We were brought up. Uh, basically seeing what's on your doorstep before you start going going abroad, before you start driving anywhere else. And it was many years before I left the country for the first time with my parents. We visited many campsites, many castles, and, and many, many regions. And I just feel uh, that's what I, I want to do. And I've al we've always spent 
many weekends, many, many weekends visiting uh, various regions. There is, and I think there literally is very, very few regions of Scotland that I haven't seen. Not quite a few of the islands. I'm still working my way around those because there's quite a few. But uh, yeah, it's been, been from Mull of Galloway in the bottom uh, to John O'Groats um, and sort of west west east, so to speak. But yeah, I'd, from my perspective, when I speak to people in the UK, it's very much about it's well led, and it's a shame really that that they just make the assumptions. Um, but when you do talk, when you do talk about it, and when when they do see what they could be experiencing when they go up north or hear about it, it does change it, and, and it does hopefully make them want to go and and. Thankfully now, yeah, quite a few more, both, even my colleagues as well, I suppose, again, when you speak to them, I tell them, you must go. And it, it sort of it gives them reasonings why um, several colleagues uh, who have been with us for a while have, have had never visited the Scottish islands and, and came back very excited, delighted to having done so finally now. Um, and it just brings great pleasure to hear that, I guess. Yes. And I love traveling abroad, but like you, I grew up in a family where we always went on an annual holiday, and uh, but we went, we traveled within the United States, and of course, there's a great deal to see in the United States. I'm really the only member of my family until uh, just recently with my nieces who have begun uh, to travel abroad. I was the only one who had ever left the United States, and there's such a tradition of going on that annual holiday. Of course, you guys get far more holiday time than we do in the working <laughs> world here. I much love the European system there. So, Suzanne, do you find the same thing with your blog? Are most of your readers UK, Scottish folks? Or do you find that you have a, a larger percentage of your audiences international? At the moment, um, my audiences are, I would say, quite, it's a very close percentage between the UK and North America. Um, with the largest percentage of North America, the USA, followed by a smaller percentage from Canada. And I think that's reflected in the recent sort of Visit Scotland survey figures about the increase um, of North Americans visiting Scotland, especially with the homecoming last year. As you will know, Glenn, I'm yes. sure you were, one, you were one of these statistics. <laughs> I, I was a statistic last year, that's true. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so when I started my blog, I would definitely say, it was mostly UK, but I think a lot of that was down to my social media presence within was within the UK. As I've expanded my social media reach, um, people from North America have obviously found my blog through various outlets. And as I said, now it's pretty much even between UK and North America. Um, but just to pick up on what you were talking about, which is quite an interesting point, we all come across it, the, the people that are amazed at the places you go to in Scotland and they think, oh, I've never been there. And even myself, there's plenty of places I've not been and I travel in Scotland quite a lot. But I think there's the weather, which Kim said, but also people have a preconception about how much it's going to cost within uh, Scotland to travel. If you stay a few nights in a hotel in Scotland, you could effectively go on a week or a fortnight's package to Spain um, where you will get an apartment in some sunshine. Now, that's not my idea of it ideal holiday but a lot of people think I know I'll get the sun and it's affordable and I'm just about to go on a three-week holiday within Scotland and two weeks which is my main two weeks will be less than 500 pounds for two people and lots of people ask how can you manage to do that Scotland's so expensive to travel and that's what I get from a lot of friends and relatives they think it's just too costly and one of the things that I've been trying to show on my blog is budget options of accommodation which are within Scotland yet they 
are great options. I mean, there's so many glamping options now. Youth hostels with private rooms, ensuite showers, bathrooms. That travelling in Scotland doesn't have to be staying in a 100 or 200 pounds a night hotel anymore. And I hope with my blog that's something that I start to get across that actually people within Scotland, it's affordable to travel. It's affordable to have a two-week holiday in Scotland. Um, I think there is just that preconception that how could I afford to stay in Scotland for two weeks at a hotel rate when I could go on a package holiday for, as I said, a few hundred pounds to Europe and get some sunshine. And I think that's something since the 70s that's really happened in the UK, not just Scotland. And I'm a huge fan, as as you know, Suzanne, of the self-catering holiday. I've blogged about it on my blog. I've done a couple of guest posts about it. In fact, the Self-Catering Association in Scotland is going to be uh, running a guest post that I'm doing on their blog about uh, the self-catering holiday, because that's another great option that I had never heard of until I began exploring and planning my trip to Scotland and finding that as an option. And yes, if you stay in a a four or five-star hotel, you know, for two weeks in Scotland, it's going to be expensive, but it can be that way in any part of the world. I, I think you're right. I've found on your blog and on others that I follow, there are a great many of other far more economical options. One of the things that I even did on my last trip was at the suggestion of a friend was looked into house sitting and I was able to arrange a two week house sit. And so that was two weeks accommodation free in Scotland. And it was a win-win for me and for the couple who they were going abroad on their holiday, needed someone to, to watch their cat and their home for them. I wanted to go on holiday and, and it turned out to be a wonderful experience. And I made two great new friends out of it, the people I'd never met before in my life. And suddenly as the day that, uh, that I met and spent with you on the Isle of Butte, um, we yep, became yep. very fast friends. And that's a part of the travel experience that you don't get if you stay in a hotel. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, as you said, there's self-catering options. You could hire a camper van or a motorhome for a week or a fortnight as I said, glamping, youth, not just youth hostels, there's so many different hostels in Scotland now which are luxury hostels. There's budget hotels. I mean, there's just so many options that have sprung up in the last, I would say, even less than five years within Scotland because I used to struggle to find good economical accommodation. And my holiday that's coming up is part glamping and also a week's self-catering, but it's in a converted signal box on Kyle of Locale's railway line. So you're getting a unique experience at a self-catering rate. Um, and I just think people don't realise that how they can budget for a break in Scotland. And I hope that all of the Scotlander bloggers sort of bring people's attention to the options out there. I'll be going into glamping uh, trips in the next week uh, in both St Andrews and Isle of Egg. So quite diverse regions of Scotland where you can go on a budget break. And for for my listeners who perhaps are not as familiar with the Scottish accent as I've become, you're not mispronouncing the word camping. We're talking about glamping, glamorous camping. glamping. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sad again, um, I, you know, honestly, I don't know. I'm sure there probably is glamping in the States, but I'm just concerned. In a previous episode, one of my guests mentioned that she could never be a ballet dancer as in life. And I had a comment on the podcast website that they weren't sure, did she say ballet dancer or belly dancer? (laughs) (laughs) So just clearing the air, we're talking about glamorous camping, which is, which is referred to as glamping. 
Yeah, so the people know. Now, you kind of let the cat out of the bag there, but I'm glad you did. The two of you are part of a very new concept in blogging, and it is particularly associated with Scotland, and that is a group called the Scotlanders. There are six of you who are travel bloggers, video bloggers, photography bloggers, etc., and the six of you have come together and are now blogging and tweeting, etc. You have a social media presence as the Scotlanders, as a group. Tell me how that all came about, and, and we're going to delve deeper into that whole project and what you're up to, but where did the idea originate from? I think it's brilliant, so where did it come from? Okay, I think I'll answer this one because I think I was on board before Kim. I was going to say um, yes. Yeah, so it was really a series of coincidences that brought us all together. Um, some bloggers had met each other at events prior to us all getting together officially, um, but for most of us, our acquaintance was purely an online acquaintance. Scotland Hour, which is something obviously you take part in every month, is one of the areas that we all sort of came across each other's work. Right. And Scotland Hour, for those that don't know, is a monthly Twitter chat that is a, a tourism marketing promotional Twitter chat all about Scotland. And frankly, that's where the three of us first met each other was through Scotland Hours. Yeah. Um, so we were all online at that in various points. And I would say that's where we got to know each other initially. Uh, we started sharing each other's work online and we were all kind of fans of each other. Obviously, we all enjoy travel within Scotland, so it's only natural you're drawn to other travel bloggers that travel in Scotland and uh, get inspired by their travels and what they're doing. Nicola and I, um, who has Funky Ellis Travel, had contacted each other online. I think it was through a sort of Outlander thing that brought us together. And we discussed doing a joint trip. At the same time, I was in touch with Neil, who's from Locomotion Scotland. And that was a separate issue that brought us together. So the three of us developed a kind of acquaintance through emails and with the idea of perhaps we could do something bigger than just working alone on our blogs. Shortly after, Kay from Chaotic Scott even sent a message saying she had this idea about working as a bigger travel group and we obviously said well coincidentally we were actually thinking the same thing and we looked at who else would be good to bring on board because obviously Doogie um, from Baird's Travels has a big presence online and we're all fans of his work and he was obviously the founder of Scotland Hour so he was an obvious choice and again with Kim he's obviously very active within the travel industry in Scotland and was inspiring a lot of us with his travels and blogging um, so we reached out to them and with the idea of we could do something together which would give us a bigger presence than just doing our individual blogs and everyone thought it was a good idea so we had our first meeting in a pub in Glasgow over a few drinks it all seemed like a great idea and by the end of the night the Scotlanders performed <laughs> Many things as, seem as, like a great yeah. idea over a few drinks in a pub, I could say. <laughs> yep. So, as many things start, it started in a pub in Glasgow. <laughs> so, we now have this group of six individual unique bloggers, and you all have your own unique approach. I'm a fan of, of all six of them. I was following all of your blogs before Scotlanders came about and was a little jealous and, and, hurt that I didn't get invited, but that's a, that's a whole other subject. <laughs> when you moved to Scotland, Glenn. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. 
So how does the concept work? I, I know you've done several projects together already. It is a collective effort where the six of you as a team, as the Scotlanders, go to a selected destination or take on a selected project in Scotland and visit it, delve into it in depth, and then blog about it with photographs, videos, travel blogs, etc. What is it that Scotlanders is trying to achieve when you set your sight on a particular project or destination? in Scotland, what is it that you want to accomplish as a team? The, the way that, that we see it as, as a group and as Susanne mentioned previously as well, it's very much about showing, I guess, to the world uh, what Scotland has to offer. And it's not necessarily Edinburgh Castle, as you said, Stirling Castle, going into to the bigger cities. It's, it's visiting the, the little villages, the small towns, the remote regions of the country. And, and from our perspective there, to try and promote, yeah, promote this, obviously to work to the world, but yes, even as mentioned earlier, to people in and around Scotland as well, making sure that what we put out there and making sure that what we share and, and what we talk about um, is of interest to obviously as many individuals as possible. And as you said, Susanna, of course, it's anything from, from glamping to, to smaller hotels, B&Bs, that sort of thing within within the whole of the, the country. Um, but yes, it's, it's basically showing off the beauty of what you find out with the, the usual destinations within the country. It's yeah, simple, simple things like what we did in the Scottish borders. It's not necessarily just driving out for the day. It's, it's what is the methods of travel around Scotland? How do you get around the country? What, what sort of ferries or, or boats or, or areas can, can you reach by looking into to different blogs of ours, uh, as Susan mentioned? Uh, if you read into it a little bit, what can you find that is not necessarily just in the mainstream news or the mainstream um, advertising articles, etc. Um, but we, we want to try and promote something that gives people a whole new insight into Scotland, to what Scotland has to offer. As I do within my job, that is also within the tourism industry, it's, it's fantastic to be able to work with many different bodies, as opposed who sells, also working with Visit Scotland, but many bodies that sells the, the country, of course, to see the innovative ideas and all the, the thoughts that goes into to try and get people around the country. Uh, this could be by a motorboat <laughs> to visit a small remote corner island. It's, it's quite interesting because I see obviously a lot of it um, from my perspective, the, the luxurious side as well because of, of my, my professional life. Uh, it's an interesting way to see it. But from the Scotlanders side, it's seeing about how we can um, promote these little regions and how we can make these stand out and make them of interest to everyone who, who wished to visit Scotland, which is hopefully many, many people. That's one of the things that brought me to Scotlanders and the concept, because in my own personal travels to Scotland, I purposely did not do some of the tourist things that you can, that everyone goes to Scotland to do. Because my ambition, as I've said probably too many times, is to move to Scotland and make it my home. And so I was there Yes, I wanted to see, you want to see Loch Ness, you want to see Edinburgh Castle, etc. But I was there to learn more about the everyday life and culture and what it would be like to live there. And so, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this podcast is to bring to people a means where they can learn about the off the beaten track sort of places and the people. To me, Scotland is all about its people. And it's important, I think, to bring that to light as as much as it is anybody can get on the internet or or send away for travel brochures and learn about Edinburgh Castle and learn about Loch Ness. And you can't necessarily learn about, for example, 
the new railway project that's coming to the borders that the Scotlanders were just uh, working on. Linlithgow is an area of Scotland that I had never really even heard about until you guys went there and visited there. And so that's one of the things that I applaud about what you're doing and why Scotlanders, um, I think, is something everybody should be that has an interest in Scotland should pay attention to. But here's my question for you. When you select a destination, when you made your trip to the borders, when you went to Linlithgow, um, wherever it may be that you're going next as the Scotlanders, how do the six of you decide who is going to focus on on what so that it isn't just six people telling the same story? <laughs> um, well, I'll, since Kim answered the last one, I'll take this one. The whole concept of Scotlanders was that our frustration at bloggers from out with Scotland's being brought on like what I would class as a press trip and journalists being brought on press trips where groups of journalists and bloggers carry out the same itinerary over a few days and the itinerary is set up for them by whether it be Visit Scotland or the local destination management organisation um, and they all go away, they all write the same thing and it tends to be the destinations or the places that are popular and everybody already knows about. So on that initial meeting, one of the things that we really agreed strongly upon is that as a group and as our, with our local knowledge and our own extensive travels within the country, that we were better placed to work with these uh, destination management organisations to show off the area better than bringing in someone from the outside who really doesn't have any local knowledge and is just sitting on a bus or taking from A to B to C. We could actually put a valuable input from the start with ideas, with knowledge, with or the geography of the area. And every time we have a destination, we have rough ideas of how we want to approach it, but we work with the whoever it is that's organising the trip for us. So whether it's Dundee, whether it's Visit Scotland, eh, whether it's the Cairngorms, they'll have an idea of what they would like to promote about the area and we'll have a discussion about what we think our personal interests. Um, obviously we all have different interests with our blogging. Some like to blog about food and drink, some like to blog about history, some about the outdoors. So we tend to think what our readers would like to, our own personal blog readers would like to read about that area. We then individually investigate ideas. Um, so, for example, local food producers, local breweries, um, distilleries, or castles, historic attractions. And we thrash it out online. We have a Google Plus community that we've set up, a private community, and we just put forward ideas and one person takes charge of each campaign in the group so they then act as a liaison with the destination we're working with so we'll go to them with our ideas they'll come to us with their ideas and between us we really work out this is what we would be interested in writing about that area this is what we think our readers would be interested in because if our readers aren't interested or our social media followers aren't interested it's a complete waste of time um, so we have to be very careful that what the topics that each of us take on for an area are attractive to the readership we have, are attractive to our own personal interests, and that we don't always 
do the same thing. So one person isn't always stuck with history or always stuck with food and drink. We try and rotate it within reason. Um, so it does take, that's the hardest part, but one of the benefits of people that work with Scotlanders is we we sort out the itineraries ourselves. We have the ability to do that because of our knowledge. Whereas if they were bringing in outside bloggers on a press trip, they have to come up with all the logistics and think of everything. Uh, whereas we are able to sort that out ourselves, which is we see as a benefit for anyone that we work with. As an aside, what you're actually describing, and, and congratulations for not using the term, but I'll use it, what we call here in the States as a press junket. And you pile a bunch of people onto a bus and you drive them to this hotel and to that tourist site and this restaurant and this pub and everybody writes about the same thing. You guys, from what I'm hearing, uh, it's six individuals who are functioning as a team and yet I'm hearing you say that each of you is trying to stay true to your own origins of your blogs because you were all blogging as individuals before you came together as Scotlanders. And you also bring to the destination uh, let's talk a bit about this. You bring an audience because all of you had uh, and have an online presence through your individual blogs. Whereas, and that's not to say that a press junket does it. A, a newspaper writer has his newspaper readers, but you guys bring an audience that is already uh, tuned in to the excitement of travel. That's why they're following travel bloggers is they, they love to travel. They want to travel. They would like to see and experience new destinations. Whereas the guy who reads the daily newspaper may or may not be interested. So I think that's an advantage that you have. Is it difficult, though, to stay true to your origins and to your original blogs and yet at the same time function as a team and give a destination a really in-depth look? Yeah, I think it's, and again, as Susanna, of course, mentioned, it comes into us working together as a team when we go out. It's very much that so it's, it's great or what we've done certainly, you know, so far as well is meeting up, for example, in the mornings. So we'll go, we'll meet in, meet in certain destinations. We'll uh, even just potentially meet with uh, the local body of who we've been discussing with, the, the local tourism officers, or even if it's if it's smaller destinations, uh, like even uh, in the borders, for example, there was the local tourism organizations we met with. But then we also, obviously, in the mornings, met with the, the lady at, at Abbotsford House. Um, she had a wonderful conversation with us just about what there was to do. And from there, you might get a, get new opportunities to, to learn about what else to see. You may have had an itinerary of, of things we wanted to, to see. We discussed certain ideas of what we want to go out and do. That may change a little bit as you go along. Um, and still there, from within there, you want to stay within your, as you said, like your true origins of, of what you want to do within your blog. And But I think it's, because we are doing it as a as a joint venture every time we go out and when we have to potentially the, the meetings prior or we meeting evenings afterwards or so as well it makes it it makes it a really useful and a really big good opportunity um to sort of take take from each other and and discuss and look at uh, how it works best for for each of us what has the reaction to scotlanders been how has this project been received both from your readerships and from the status of those destinations that you've already worked with? As far as readership, I think it's been a great thing for our readership. We can pro cross-promote for each other. Um, we're obviously working with destinations who are linking to our blogs, so we're gaining new audiences as well as the ones that we have. And at the end of the day, we're blogging about 
think something we're passionate about, uh, we're blogging about Scotland and that's why our readers come to us and they're wanting new content, they're wanting to find out about new and interesting things. So certainly from my readership, I would say it's improved since Scotlanders. Um, any project I've done with Scotlanders has been popular on my blogs and on social media and I hope that that continues and certainly it's been interesting working with the. It's obviously a new thing for us. It's also a new thing for the organisations. Um, so the logistics of each campaign has changed over time and we, we're learning from it and the organisations are learning from it. So what kind of statistics do you try to track to determine the success of a Scotlanders uh, visit? Are you looking at increased readership at your blogs? I know you are doing some tweeting with some special hashtags, those kinds of things. What type of statistics are you trying to gather and track to be able to then go back to the organization or the destination and say, this is what Scotlanders accomplished for you? Certainly when I, the, the stats having gone through them all as well, the way, and there's obviously various ways to look at, at this. And, and one, one thing that is very big for me as well as a new blogger for me is very much of the social media side. Um, it's looking at the specific Twitter impressions, you can call it, uh, the retweet, et cetera. Yes, well, we'll go in and we look at what, what specific reach did we have that weekend. So we'll start uh, like we did um, at a particular time when, when the girl first went down, it was on the, on the first day or so, uh, and basically track it, track it back the way. Yes, as you said, we look at the number of tweets we send out, what was the potential a reach of those number of, of individuals. How many retweets did we have? Um, and, and look overall, how many posts did we do? Um, did we put out a lot of posts and it just had a few a few sort of uh, people engaging or did we put out better quality posts? And, and I think that's, it's about you're putting out obviously a, the, the high quality posts. And that from being what I do very much in my blog is to, is to take the pictures. That's what I, I love doing as a post. So I want to try and make sure that what I put, put out hopefully have a really good engagement. Uh, and people engage and they, they like, they share, they, they retweet the, the photographs and obviously try and engage with them as much as possible because that's what it's really about in the end, I guess, when, when people come back and say, oh, looks fantastic, it looks great, etc. Engaging and making sure that you are not, particularly from my, pers- my perspective in the social media side, when I find that uh, making sure that they, they feel, feel included, make sure that they, they feel that this is somewhere that they, they could hopefully one day go. You guys are now columnist for um, the Scots Magazine for DC Thompson. Congratulations on that. Tell me about that and and how did that come about? Um, Well, our very first Scotlanders campaign was to Dundee. And I don't know if you know or not, but DC Thompson is actually based in Dundee. We got quite a bit of media coverage for that first campaign locally, um, both on radio, uh, newspapers, online. And afterwards, one of the people that works at DC Thompson contacted Nicola to say they were sorry that they missed us in Dundee and they would like us to somehow be involved with Scots Magazine. And it developed from there that we would write a fortnightly column uh, where each one of us would take a turn writing about our travels within Scotland and obviously any relevant Scotlander campaigns. So it's something... Again, when we try to show people the value of what we can offer in our campaigns, it's something else that we can add in, um, that we can write about it in a magazine, as well as the other media coverage that we've had um, for most of the campaigns that we've done. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't, um, before we wrap up here, as you are both uh, extraordinarily talented travel bloggers and have seen huge 
parts of Scotland, even though I suspect there are parts of Scotland both of you, like myself, have not visited to yet, and we have we all have our those things we want to see. So I'm going to give you each, um, as kind of a final wrap-up here, an opportunity to tell me what is your individually favorite spot in Scotland, and why should I see it? <laughs> hey, Kim, do you want to go first? <laughs> but this is no absolutely my, mine is mine is i i would say the the place that i so far probably have enjoyed the most visiting uh was about three years ago uh it's around the weekend of my birthday and it was on the isle of isla um we had gone over to visit uh with a friend for the weekend that's where i find my favorite whiskey uh, I'm not sure if you're allowed to mention, uh, mention brands or what this is all like. But, oh, uh, go right ahead. I've mentioned my oh, favorite before. Absolutely, yes. But uh, yeah, a, lo- a lovely nice uh, bottle of Laphroaig never goes never goes bad. Um, so oh, we, think, we, uh, <laughs> we need to talk. You haven't heard my – you need to listen to my podcast about whiskey. I bought a Laphroaig, and, and I am not a fan, I have to tell you. But that's okay. <laughs> different strokes for different folks. And, and I, oh, I apologize for interrupting, but I have a bottle of nice Laphroaig triple wood I'll be happy to send to you. Oh, I see. Oh no, the the more flavor, the the better, I suppose. <laughs> so for me, it was uh, yeah, I was visiting visiting Isla, uh, and there's a beach called the Strand uh, or the Big Strand, I think they call it. And and for me, it was it was really quite spectacular. It was beautiful, large beach uh, overlooking um, Port Charlotte. Um, I think it was called Port Charlotte. Yes, the the little village right across um, the bay you have there, and also from that point, the the Strand uh, as the call it is does actually mean beach in danish as well so for me i thought that was really quite peculiar how that's been named again it it goes back to the time when when the nordics would have come over to scotland and back in those days have have, have raided it and, and whatsoever <laughs> um but yeah i think at this moment in time somewhere like like that the, the big strand this big huge beautiful beach uh, was empty. There was literally just the four of us walking up and down this beach. There was about five kilometers long, uh, looking out towards the west of Scotland on the Isle of Isla, uh, a couple of miles outside Beaumur. Um It was just somewhere out of this world, beautiful. And it was sort of it was only it was lunch around lunchtime. I would really quite have enjoyed having gone there for sunset. I think we could get some of the most spectacular sunsets um, overlooking the west and, and in over the the beaches and in over the the west coasts. Of Isla from there, and, and so Suzanne, I I know you're very proud um, of the Isle of Butte. You were kind enough to approach me when uh, we were simply online friends and invite me and gave me a wonderful tour. Uh, it was far too short, and I look forward to spending more time on Butte at some point. So, is is Butte your answer, or is there another special place for you in Scotland? Um, I would say Butte's my home at the moment, so I'm always going to be proud of where I live. Um, as far as favourite places in Scotland, I think your favourite places always come back to where you've had the best memories. Um, so for me, there's two places which would be really hard for me to choose from. Um, we had, growing up, we weren't one of the families that went on package holidays away. We did uh, travel in Scotland. And we had a caravan for over 20 years, which was in a place that I believe you visited, just down by Turnberry. And I'm very fond of that part of Ayrshire, um, round about Turnberry, Girvan, Maidens, uh, because I spent such a big part of my holiday time there growing up. For recent years, I would say Dumfries and Galloway, which I've 
said on my blog before has been one of my favourite places in Scotland, but if I was pushed, I would say it's where I've had the best memories. I've had two fantastic trips there at separate times in the last few years. And the first one, we had a camper van and we parked the night um, at Galloway Forest Park, which is a dark, one of the dark sky parks in Scotland. So we were able to enjoy firstly a sunset over Clattering Shaw's Loch, which was absolutely stunning, eh, followed by a clear night under the stars. Um, and obviously with the dark sky status, they, it was just spectacular. So that was a fantastic memory from Dumfries and Galloway. And last year we went on a camping holiday and quite by chance we were heading to Port Patrick and we saw a sign for a campsite, which we'd done no research on, had no idea about and decided just on the off chance to go up and pitch our tent for the night. Uh, we ended up staying there for several nights because what we didn't realise is once we got to our pitch, it actually overlooked to what the sea towards Ireland and a ruined castle right on the cliff edge, and it was absolutely spectacular. And again, we were able to watch some spectacular sunsets. I think if I was pushed, I would have to say Dumfries and Galloway. I think that's part of the magic of Scotland is what you just described is there are always surprises around the corner that uh, even if you've lived there your entire life, you can find undiscovered places of beauty and inspiration there. And, and I guess it's only fair if I put the two of you on the spot, I'll put myself on the spot. And, and of course, my answer is a, a little more probably well known to to my listeners and certainly to my friends. And actually, there are a couple. One has to be the Glengarry Overlook, where you can look down on the loch and see the shape of Scotland right there in front of you. That is just a beautiful spot, I think. But of course, my heart was stolen in Scotland by uh, Glen Bogle, Ardvericky Estate up in the Highlands uh, around Canusi and Kinlochlogan and around Lochlogan. And that is where my heart is and probably always will be. The beach at Lochlogan, I think, is one of the most spectacular, one of the most beautiful places in the world. And like you, Kim, when I was there for a week, I got the chance I could go down and walk along the beach and be completely alone. There was no one else there. And that is just such a dramatic and amazing feeling to sit there on the side of the loch, see the mountains off in the distance, the Monroes. And, and, and I just sat there and went, my God, I'm in Scotland. I just, it was just an incredible moment. So yeah. So Art Verricky, uh, Glen Bogle will always be my special place in Scotland. My thanks, as always, to Suzanne Arbuckle and Kim Kerside for taking time from their busy schedules to visit with us here under the Tartan Sky. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode on our website, underthetartansky.scot, where you'll find links to their individual blogs, as well as to those of the other four Scotlanders, their team website, and more. I've documented my own travels to Scotland in my personal blog, A Glen in Scotland. It was the predecessor to this podcast, and you'll find a link to my blog in the show notes as well. Or you can log on and read it directly at aglenninscotland.scot. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer. Tapalave, agus alapa gubra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. Learn more on our website at www.glenelmoyer.com. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, 
check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter where our username is at underscore Tartan Sky. That's the underscore symbol Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening.